The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show where we've got our weekly Fridays with Jack Hammer. Jack, how you doing, my man? I'm good, Rohan. How you doing? Hey, it's been fun. I mean, I still can't believe we're literally, what is it? Like this entire week, it's still only one week after uh, all the stuff we talked about last week. It's just like a flurry of news happening. At some points this week, I even forgot there was a Super Bowl happening. Well, the 49ers, that's the thing, right? The 49ers, they, they just keep making, giving you stories to write about it. You know, it's off season. I was talking with somebody yesterday and he was asking if I'm getting to take a break now during the off season. I'm like, I, I haven't had a chance because the 49ers keep getting, making news. So the uh, more news they make, the more I have to, I'm going to be writing about them. Uh, yeah. So, you know, during the off season, I, I try. I'm, my goal was to do three articles a week and I, I wrote something every day this week before today. Yeah, man. I mean, it, it's been crazy for sure. It it, conti- it just continues and continues. Funny enough, um, on Twitter right now, because I just sent out a tweet, uh, Debo just said, lol, uh, LOL, TF, y'all want us to say, yeah, they was going to win anyway, be for real. But that's a great way to start into this segue because there's been a lot of talk between 49er players on the Eagles this uh, this week. Uh, when you talk about it, Brandon Ayuk, he was the one who kind of started it. Uh, Brandon Ayuk uh, went on Brad, the SF Niners, show. Shout out to him for doing an amazing job there. But he went on Brad, the SF Niners, show talking about uh, the, the matchup. And he said, if I was putting my money somewhere, 100% I'd put it on the Chiefs. Then we've seen some other comments as well. Uh, what are your kind of takeaways on the 49ers doing this? Is it reasonable? Is it uh, justifiable? What do you kind of think? I mean, they're being asked questions and they're giving their thoughts. It's kind of like what Devo Samuel said. You know, somebody asked you what you you know what your thoughts about the game. What are you going to say? No, they would have they would have beat us anyway. Um, I, I mentioned this earlier today on Twitter too. We go back and and. Uh, Ask Ronnie Lott if he what his feelings are on the 1983 NFC Championship game against the Washington Redskins and see what he's going to tell you, or any of those 49ers players. Because uh, to this day, you talked about that game. With, if you were to ask them about that game, they're going to be like, oh, we got, you know, we should have won that game. We got the refs, you know, whatever at the end of the game, they, they took it from us, that kind of thing. So it, it's part of being a, uh, it's part of being a, a competitor. I think uh, in today's days and today's day and age, uh, I don't think people really understand the competitive nature that these guys have. And we're, um, it's just, it, it's interesting to me, quite, quite frankly, it, do, it doesn't bother me one bit. I get tired of the stories. I mean, the one on Jimmy Ward that popped up today, I mean, he said that a week ago and yeah, now he said it about because, ago. you know, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's clickbait time, baby. Yeah. I mean, when, when you talk about it, I, I, I can understand both sides. Like you can understand the 49ers, uh, people portraying the 49ers as salty. Because if we're being honest, they are. They feel like they got cheated out of a chance to compete in the NFC Championship game. We've heard it from Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, Brennan Ayuk. We've now heard it from even Jimmy Ward uh, and Robbie Gould, in a way, we uh, we heard it from a little bit as well. We've heard it from different, different people. And to me, I think when you talk about the 49ers and the Eagles, uh, it, it it's interesting because they aren't wrong necessarily in their comments. And yeah, you are right that they're competitive, but we've definitely heard an overabundance of what we like, what we've seen. The Jimmy Ward stuff was uh, a while ago. Brandon Ayuk was obviously a while ago. The number one thing though, is these guys are being asked questions about it. Right. I think maybe you can talk about some of these guys going overboard uh, with their comments. Um, Like Debo Samuel saying it wouldn't have been close if they had Brock Purdy, given the way their offense was going. Uh, and, and, and different things like that. And it was interesting that a kicker kind of uh, chimed in uh, on, on the conversation. But um, I, I can see both sides of this. I can understand how it's salty. Brandon Ayuk even tweeted it out saying, yeah, I'm salty. I am. But I can understand the, the, the value of competitiveness given the situation. Yeah, I, you know, you, you go through and Jimmy Ward saying, or the, the one who they say, you know, would have blown him out with that. That's, you're not going to blow him out. But um, the Robbie Gold one, again, this is one of those where it's, it's, 
I think it's being taken out of context. Because if you if you were to go back and you were to ask any analyst about that 49ers Eagles game, how do you beat the Eagles? I bet you to a person they would tell you you stop the run and you force Jalen Hurts to beat you with his arm. Mm-hmm. I almost guarantee that that's what they would say. And that's basically what Robbie Gold said. But because of the way that he phrased it, because he said you make him play quarterback and people are like, ah, you know, that's just the way people react. They take it out of context. And it's I don't think that was what he was. I don't think I don't think his context was any different than what pretty much every analyst who was looking at the game was saying at a time. Yeah. And I mean, when you talk about it, you're right. Right. I, I think it's interesting because it came from a kicker. Right. But when you talk about the philosophy, I mean, even in, in hindsight of the game, Hertz didn't necessarily kill the 49ers. He threw for 120 yards on 15 to 25 passing. That's not necessarily that stellar uh, if we talk about it. And the 49ers, they played Hertz the way that they wanted to play Hertz and how the analyst said you should play Hertz, which is try like essentially take away the run, let your corners be aggressive, and see what Jalen Hurts can do while letting your corners be aggressive while playing in cover three. And the 49ers did that to a T, and they were able to be successful. Unfortunately, the Eagles obviously had a much favorable situation with the quarterback mm-hmm. situation and in other uh, in other places as well, and they ended up winning the game handily. But, yeah, I mean, I, it, that that's an interesting one as well, I, I yeah. feel you. Yeah, I mean, and the other side of the coin with all this too is correct. I mean, it's it's – I do subscribe to the theory that if if you are the 49ers, I can understand where the players are coming from. And I can also agree with the side that's saying, how about you just block the best pass rusher in the NFL, not named Mick Bosa, right? If you, if you do that and your starting quarterback plays the whole game, how about you just do what you're supposed to do and your quarterbacks don't get injured. And then that's a different story, but you know, we're the Eagles. We went into that game. Everybody knew that we're the pass rushing team. Everybody knew that we're going to go after your quarterback. You couldn't get, you couldn't stop us. And so I, it's a, it's a, it's a really good back and forth conversation. And there's truth on both sides of it. Yeah, no, I, I think so. I think so. And that's why I posed the question at the top the way that I posed it. Are the 49ers player comments on the Eagles reasonable? I think personally that a, a, a fair share are reasonable. Now, some of them are out of pure maybe jealousy or whatever you want to call it, but I think that a majority of the comments that they've said are reasonable. Some overblown, but the reasonable factor, I think it's there. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I think it's it's definitely reasonable as far as as far as beyond that, you know, like I said, the the twenty twenty two San Francisco Foreigners aren't the first team that's felt this way after a loss in a big game. Uh, that ended their season. I can guarantee you that. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And uh, that's why it's interesting. Well, the 49ers, they keep us entertained. That's that's all I got to say. Another <laughs> form of that entertainment, well, George Kittle, um, obviously on Media Row this week because of a, a number of sponsor type of things, talked mm-hmm. twice about the quarterback situation. The first time he talked, the, the, the glaring comment that everyone's talking about, it's Brock's job to lose. And then the second time he talked, he essentially said what he said the first time. It's just a different comment was caught, and it was, uh, it, it's going to be a competition, a 1A, 1B. It's going to be a competition. What do you think about George Kittle's comments? Did you agree with what he said in, uh, if, you, if you got to hear it? Or what do you think about uh, how, the way that he said uh, what he said? Yeah, I wrote an article about it yesterday because I, I I listened to what he said, listened to it a couple of times. You compare, you combine what what George Kittle has said with what Brock Purdy has said and what Trey Lance has said, because all three of the people, primary antagonists involved in this conversation, have been on Media Row at some point this week talking, and what George Kittle said is spot on. Uh, Trey Lance hasn't got a chance yet because. Well, he's he's played. He's been with the Foreigners for two years. He's been injured three times, uh, which has forced him to only be able to start two games or four games. Excuse me, two games this season uh, in the two of his rookie year. Kittle said two because he's referring to 2022 here, you know. And so we don't know exactly what he's is going to be. He is going to get a chance. Uh, he was also right on Brock Purdy and that that offense was doing things that they hadn't done since 2019. Uh, with Brock Purdy at quarterback, they averaged 33.5 points. They were averaging 22 point something uh, what, prior to him taking over. So it's it, it sways in, in Brock Purdy's favor in that way. There's going to be a competition. Yeah, uh, I agree. I had actually no problem 
with what uh, Brock, uh, George Kittle said on the quarterback situation. I honestly think he portrayed it perfect, like exactly how it is. When he talks about it, he talked about the three quarterbacks. He obviously said, I don't know what's going on with Jimmy. He's a free agent. But talking about Trey Lance, he pointed out, yeah, it's been unfortunate for Trey Lance because he hasn't gotten a fair shot of being an NFL quarterback given the circumstances that he's gone through. And he talked about Trey having plenty of talent and just needing the reps. But then he obviously brought up Brock Purdy and how Brock Purdy played. And because of that, you don't just throw that out of the gutter, gutter because of what uh, Brock Purdy is going through right now and saying ultimately that it's Brock's job to lose. And I think that I agree with the sentiment in that if, if Brock Purdy is healthy, you don't just disengage him from the quarterback situation because he comes in late. I think that you do need a competition. I loved what Trey Lance said earlier this week saying, I just want a chance to compete. And he, he, he said, yeah, I mean, it's going to be a competition. Brock Purdy himself said that, we're going to do what's best for the Niners and uh, we're going to compete and we're going to, uh, we want to just win a Super Bowl. That's that, that was the goal. And so really I think it's very valuable that the 49ers now have these two quarterbacks on their roster that are so classy at such a young age and really looking uh, to the best uh, of the, or for the future of the franchise. Yeah. They're in a good situation here. As long as these guys are healthy. I mean, they should be in a good situation. We'll see. Right. We don't, we don't know. We don't know. We can't, Trey Lance needs to become Trey Lance needs to find a way to become more. Um, he needs to be able to be consistent. He needs to show the consistency of, of his play that that we saw from from Brock Purdy, and that's kind of you know like George Kittle said, right? You don't he, he steps in and he stepped in and the offense just ran smoothly, right? You, you know when when Trey Lance has been in the game, it hasn't been that smooth. Now it's. Beginning of the year is, is different than stepping in halfway through, but still, anytime he replaced your quarterback, there's an adjustment period. And uh, Foreigners, quite frankly, didn't have an adjustment period uh, at the end of the year when he stepped in, when uh, Purdy stepped in for Jimmy Garoppolo. I, I agree. And I mean, I, I was talking earlier this week uh, on the channel with a, a different guest, and it was an interesting talk because we talked about uh, Brock Purdy and we talked to, or I was actually, no, I was on Jesse's show yesterday and we talked about. Uh, Trey Lance, right? And the quarterback situation. The reason we talked about, or the reason we bring up the week one versus week 18, you don't, if you're playing Trey Lance, you're not playing him for the talent that he is at week one. You're hoping that the development was going to be there last year, uh, that mm -hmm. the development would go from week one to week 18, and that you'd see a quarterback capable of winning the Super Bowl by the time you reach that or uh, by the time you reach the playoffs, that was the hope, obviously, with Trey Lance. That hope is still there. It's just the product, like you said, is unfinished at the moment. You don't see it. And that's why this quarterback situation going into the playoffs is so – or sorry, into the offseason is so intriguing because now you have two different quarterbacks with uncertainty around them. Trey Lance with his play, Brock Purdy with his health. Lance, we don't know exactly how he's going to fare because we haven't seen him go through that progression of starting in a week one and then finishing in a week 18 and seeing the product change from week one to week 18. How is it, how has he improved? How can he improve? And as for Brock Purdy, we don't know necessarily when he's going to next step on a football field uh, with the 49ers. We don't know if, uh, because first of all, we don't know if he's going to have the six month surgery or maybe even a longer one if doc, uh, if surgeons figure out something, uh, uh, something more complicated during the surgery on February 22nd. And even if you have the February 22nd date, if you're just going with a six month window, that's August 22nd, which is the third week of the preseason, meaning that Brock Purdy will likely miss a majority of training camp if that six week time uh, timeline is at or six month timeline is accurate. There's a lot of uncertainty around the window, which is why. I'm very curious to see how the 49ers address the position of the offseason, what their stance is towards Trey Lance and a backup quarterback, because they're likely going to need at least one, likely two, for a majority of this offseason. Yeah, and you went through a, a bunch of different scenarios right there, and uh, that's just kind of address them maybe a little bit here, you know, one at a time. The the of first course. one, the first one being um, we haven't been able to say Trey Lance go from week one through 18 and have that progression, and that's something that you're correct. And if Jesse said it as well, you guys are both correct. Cause I told him that before too, it was the expectation was week one through 18. It's going to be rough in the beginning and it's going to get better as the season goes on. That was the expectation for Trey Lance. Well, I'll say this. We haven't seen that with, with Brock Purdy either. We haven't seen no, what we haven't. week one through week 18 Brock Purdy would be either. And that's one of the, the only pushback that I put on this is that there's this, there seems to be this belief from a, 
to an extent that Brock Purdy is who he is. That Brock Purdy is not going, he's already maximizing his potential. He's not going to be any better than he is today. And I just, I don't think that it's fair to say that either because, uh, well, yes, he's not the quite as big and strong as Trey Lance. He's quicker and he operates the offense at a very efficient rate. And that's, there's no way to say that that's not going to improve because how many times did we hear throughout the course of this season about the near inter? This is the, this is the 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 non the non Trey Lance fans will tell you will talk to the end of the earth about the almost interceptions. How many mm-hmm. balls were almost intercepted? Right, that's mm-hmm. it's one of their their favorite things to talk about. That goes back to Jimmy Garoppolo, and uh, then it came up with Brock Purdy now this year, and there were a number of those. So maybe he doesn't have those. Maybe instead of a near interception, it's a completion. Maybe instead of a near interception, it's a touchdown. We don't know, but there's definitely room for Brock Purdy to improve as well. Oh yeah, most definitely. And that's the funny part. The 49ers are entering year seven now and their quarterback, both the quarterback options haven't played a full season in the NFL. There is room for growth. And the, the intriguing part is room for growth for both are in different ways. Like Trey Lance, the reason that people talk about the potential about Trey Lance, myself included, at a high regard, is because there's a a a, like a wide skill set that he has that, if he reaches the potential in all of his elements, could become one of those premier quarterbacks that we've started to see to to emerge. Right, the dual threat level quarterback that Kyle Shanahan talked about at the end of the year. But Brock Purdy, that level of quarterback can be sustainable as well. The reason people try and put limits to it is like because of the lack of arm strength uh, compared to some of the elite quarterbacks, maybe, and the lack of height, or maybe the lack of uh, pure pure speed, or whatever you talk about it. But still, regardless of those uh, of those uh, what do you call it of those traits, Brock Purdy still has room to grow and still can be a very good quarterback in the NFL because the you, it talks about processing, it talks about decision making. If you can work through the confinements of your athletic uh, skill set, then you're still going to be a good NFL quarterback. And there have been certain several cases in the NFL to prove it. I mean, hell, I'm not going to compare Brock Purdy to anybody, but we've seen guys like Tom Brady, Drew Brees, work without the strongest arms, work without uh, the, the best mobility and things like that, but still be able to maneuver within their situations and become very, very good NFL quarterbacks. So I don't think the door should be shut down on either quarterback. I think, though, that when you talk about potential, and potential, again, is one of the most subjective items items possible when you talk about it. To me, the reason that a lot of people are excited about Trey Lance is because when you talk about potential, Trey Lance has the potential of a Super Bowl winning quarterback for the 49ers. And Brock Purdy does too. We saw it this year, but people do believe likely that Lance's potential is higher given the uh, extra traits. It's just he has to improve some of the things that Brock Purdy is already good at. Yeah, absolutely. And so we'll see how how they, the two of them play out. It's going to be it's going to be interesting. You know that that you're going to have uh, uh, Trey Lance getting the full run of the offseason program up until training camp. And you mentioned that earlier. And then you have this this time frame for for Brock Purdy, and it's the unknown. We don't know. And uh, all there's there's not enough. There's not really any data. There's not much data, I should say when it comes to this injury with NFL quarterbacks, uh, there just aren't, it's not, there's not very many that have had to deal with, with the UCLA because UCL, I always like to say UCLA. I don't know. I just roll, roll right into it. Right. But the UCL ligament, you know, tear, that's a, that's a different subject. Not very many guys have had it. And it's right. So, you, you know, the topic is, it's, is it a, a six month turnaround? Is it a five month turnaround? Is it a seven? Is it a year? What is it going to be? And you know, the, Tommy John surgery is supposed to be a 12 to 18 month recovery time. Well, mm-hmm. the only quarterback that one, there's a, only two NFL quarterbacks that I'm aware of that have had Tommy John surgery. One of them is Craig Erickson. And the more recent is Jake DeLome. DeLome had surgery in October, late October, early November. He was cleared. He said at five to six months, he would, could have been cleared to play if they would have let him. They waited until after the draft, seven months after full Tommy John surgery, he was he was cleared and he played the entire 2008 season, and the Pan, the Panthers went 12 and four. Uh, you know when it comes to what Brock Purdy's getting, which is supposed to be um, the inner internal brace product project, um, 
Nick Mullins went through this. He's a 49ers quarterback that went through this recently. So with Nick Mullins, he went through the internal brace. Again, that's that's the six-month turnaround. He was cleared at five months. Now, not only that, that injury happened December 20th. There's video of him throwing by 427. Six months post-surgery, he is signed to a, to a free agent contract by the Philadelphia Eagles. They're not going to mm-hmm. sign him if he's not cleared. Now, when it come, when you talk about when I'm saying, and here's one of the other thing about this, Nick Mullins, Nick Mullins, we don't, I'm not comparing, we're not looking at this from a player right. standpoint, but, but Nick Mullins is no worse than he, his arm strength is no, has not waned from that injury to where it is now. It was never strong to begin with. It wasn't the strongest to begin with, right? But it's, it didn't have a decrease. I think that that's fair. And I mean, when you talk about it, that adds only to the uncertainty. And I, uh, to kind of further this talk, I want to go one step further and ask you a, a tough conversation because we talk about Brock Purdy's timeline. And there is, although I don't know how realistic it is, there is a possibility that he isn't cleared until the beginning of the, the regular season. So I do want to ask you, given that the 49ers have two young quarterbacks, quarterbacks that both do need some development, would you change starters in the regular season, or would you stick with the guy who's ended up being ended up being the week one starter for the entirety of the season, allowing them to develop? I, I think that if if you roll into this season with Trey Lance as your starter, I think he starts until he proves that he's not the starter. Right? If they're not able to compete during training camp, and Trey Lance has to start week one, and he is playing at a at a decent enough level for this team to win and he's not the reason you're losing games, I think you stay with him. Mm-hmm. You, you're, as a as a first-round draft pick who was used all that capital to, and I'm not even talking, you know, I know there's the sunk cost there, but it, he's a first-round guy. So a first-round guy is like a scholarship player in college. You give those guys every opportunity that you can give them to fail. Um, and and so I think that would be the, the path that they would go. If Brock Purdy isn't back in time to compete, Trey Lance would be the starter until he proves that he shouldn't be. Yeah, I think that I agree there, but I think you and I are probably uh, in similarity in agreeing that the best situation for the 49ers this offseason would be to have both quarterbacks available for the beginning of training camp so that they can compete. How realistic, again, that is, it's unsure given the six-month timeline that normally pairs towards the end of the uh, end of the preseason. But if Brock Purdy can come back in that five-month window-ish and be ready for the beginning of training camp, it would be great because while it is Brock Purdy's job to lose, I think both uh, both would have different situations going into training camp. Trey Lance, obviously, the familiarity with the first three months of the offseason program. Brock Purdy, obviously, with the trust uh, of some people in the 49ers locker room given and likely the staff, given the way that he played and uh, pushed the 49ers to where they ended up in the NFC championship game this year. I think that that would be the ideal scenario for the 49ers. Yeah, no, I definitely, I mean, it is. If you get your, if you have the, if you have these two young guys at 11, under 11, they're not even $11 million against the salary cap and you have them both healthy, that's great. And then if you allow them to compete, if they're able to compete over throughout the course of the preseason, um, that's even better. And it's clear that I think both quarterbacks have been told you're there's no, there's no starter. You're it's going to be whoever's whoever the best quarterback is, is going to be the guy. At least that's what it sounds like based off of what Trey Lance has said himself and what, what Brock Purdy said yesterday as well. I agree. I agree real quick. We've got a question here from the chat and I want to spin it a little bit more blank here asks who will Lance compete with this offseason because Purdy won't be ready. till week one, Let's put that assumption away for, for now. But the 49ers in 2021 carried three quarterbacks on their uh, on their roster, on the 53-man roster with one quarterback in, uh, obviously, on the practice squad. The 49ers will likely have to sign a backup to compete with Trey Lance in the early part of the offseason and likely will have Brock Purdy on the roster as well. Would you carry three quarterbacks again, which likely signifies that they'll sign a mid-level player at the quarterback position for the backup, or would you go with a cheaper option and roll with the two quarterbacks going into the first, uh, 2022 2022-3 season? You're talking about like during training camp period and those types of things. Yeah, but I'm 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 kind of saying carrying from training camp. Would you carry the three quarterbacks, the the backup you signed, Lance and Purdy, on the roster? Uh, using a roster spot, an extra roster spot at the quarterback position like you did in 2021? Or would you uh, end up trying to go for a cheaper guy and then cutting him, rolling with Lance and Purdy? 
Yeah, that just depends on who that guy is. If it's somebody that you can bring in and you can you can you can keep him on the practice squad, kind of like they did in twenty twenty one with Nate Sudfeld, right? If it's that type of player, then you you don't have him on the roster. But if it's a guy like Brock Purdy who uh, garnered some attention during the the preseason and and you know did well for himself, and you're worried that a team is going to claim him, then then you don't go that direction. So it's going to depend on on who that player is um, as to whether or not they're going to bring somebody in. I agree. And the last thing I want to ask on the quarterback position, Jack, is would you prefer a veteran in the room? Because we had Jimmy Garoppolo for the last five years. Would you prefer a veteran to be signed or would you prefer the 49ers go with the younger option and potentially draft that third quarterback? I don't think the veteran option matters because you have, if you have Brian Greasy, Brian Greasy is your veteran quarterback option. So from that standpoint, it doesn't matter. You know, the Jimmy Garoppolo option in there, he's, he's, the reason you brought Jimmy Garoppolo back is because he's shown the ability to to, to win games, right? That's why you yeah. that's why you brought him back. Uh, I don't think there's a veteran guy out there that you're going to sign that's going to be able to come in that you're like, well, this guy, I feel comfortable. This guy could take us to the playoffs if if we need to. I don't know if that guy really exists. And that's an intriguing take because obviously the 49ers have had that veteran body in the quarterback room for the past few years. But you're right; they do have Brian Greasy, who appeared to make significant. Uh, he, he he appeared to make significant improvements in both the quarterbacks that he coached last year uh, to an extent in Jimmy Garoppolo and Brock Purdy. And so you're right. He's a guy who's played the position before, and that's the value in bringing those guys like Kyle Shanahan uh, – or sorry, that Kyle Shanahan's brought those guys in, the guys with the experience uh, playing those positions before. Yeah, exactly. I think it's a, I think it's a really good – um, the, the, that's one of the nice pieces about the Brian Gracie hires. He's, he's, mm-hmm. you know, Steve Young talked about it before the, last year uh, around this time. What do you do with that position? And he said, well, you bring in a guy that can sit down with Brock, you know, sit down with Trey Lance and show him the film and show him, this is what you do. This is what you don't do this, you know, really teach him. Well, they got that guy, but he's a coach. He's not on their salary cap. Um, yeah. And, and on top of that, I think he's done a really good job. It's, it's been, it was interesting to me watching the way that he worked with the quarterbacks compared to the previous coach, because uh, there was a lot of, a lot of discussion on, on drills as they were working through that I didn't see before. Right, right, right. Real quick, before we continue on with the second half of the show, I want to give a shout out to the guys that are in the chat. I see the young Montana coming in melody moonfire at the beginning 49ers throwback, uh, RSF 49ers, Paul Trento, and the Niner Gang Podcast. You guys, thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, But Jack, continuing forward, it was an interesting topic this past week. Jimmy Garoppolo, NFC Championship game, that Jimmy Garoppolo could have potentially suited up. What's your thoughts on the topic itself, and what would you do if you were in Jimmy Garoppolo's shoes? Uh, I mean, well, let's start off here. it's a completely unsubstantiated rumor, and uh, there's been no, there's been nothing to change it. So, yeah, it's kind of what it is. I, I do think I do find it I, I find it funny if you're a 49ers fan and you are upset about the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo chose not to play. Let's just go roll that out. Because if 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 this was the if this was December fifteenth and we said Jimmy Garoppolo has a chance to play in the NFC Championship game for the 49ers, the response from a lot of people that I see on Twitter, a lot of 49ers people that I see there would be, that sucks. Jimmy Garoppolo is awful in the playoffs. Why would you want him to be there, right? And so now, mm-hmm. now you, you get to a point where the 49ers lost a game and all of a sudden, oh look at Jimmy Garoppolo. He could have been out there. He could have played well. Jimmy Garoppolo was in a walking boot a couple of weeks ahead of time before this, right? I mean, uh, he didn't practice last week. I guess if you want to say he, maybe the there maybe there was a big disagreement because Tim Kawakami talked about there was a falling out between them. Maybe he was healthier than than um, you know, and he could have been out there. Who knows? What we know is that he didn't practice um, at all that week, so he was a non-participant in practice, and. Hey, if Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't want to do it because he knows he's going to be making, he needs to get himself right for the offseason, I'll power to you. To me, I, I, here's here's what I'll say. What I've heard is that Jimmy Garoppolo could have potentially suited up for the game, but not nearly at 100%. 
And I thought it was clear both in the organization's eyes and in Jimmy Garoppolo's eyes that he wasn't going to be a, uh, a like a participant in the game or active for the game if he wasn't going to be at 100% or very close to 100%. And I think you could also clearly see it by the fact that he didn't suit up for a single practice the week heading into the NFC Championship game and also with the fact that he was in a boot just, uh, I think it was nine days earlier. And so I think when you combine it all together, I don't necessarily know if Jimmy Garoppolo could have played in that game or if he chose to sit out. But to me, my, my talk is props to Jimmy Garoppolo. If he if he chose to sit out, I'm I'm totally fine with that. I'm not going to say, like, I'm not going to sit here and say uh, that I'm going to blame Jimmy Garoppolo for prioritizing his health with an organization that has no interest in keeping him or with him returning to the organization. I think the number one thing for him is to remain, health, uh, to remain healthy, especially if he was going to try and force himself to play as a backup without being 100%. I think the, the number one thing was for him to just get to 100% and then make a decision. But, I mean, you saw what happened to Josh Johnson, the backup. He got injured. So who knows? Maybe in hindsight, it's even smarter that Jimmy Garoppolo did what Jimmy Garoppolo did because the 49ers quarterbacks were getting injured left and right. And so to me, I think it's an intriguing topic, uh, but I, I have no issue with the way that Jimmy Garoppolo handled, him, handled himself if he was able to play, albeit not at 100%, choosing to sit out. Yeah, I, you know, I agree. I, the, the whole 100% piece is a, a big part of it. I don't, I don't think that uh, – Kyle Shanahan had ever said that he would play a player that wasn't hundred percent, especially Jimmy Garoppolo that he, you know, I just don't see it. And uh, we'll just leave it as it is. I mean, it, yeah, it, it's one of those things where Jimmy Garoppolo unable to move against that offense, against that defense. Uh, does that change the outcome of this game? Right. I quarter, put, putting Jimmy Garoppolo in there and Jimmy Garoppolo, not able to, to, protect himself by mm -hmm. with 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 his legs does that make any sense to the change of this game no so uh, at that point it's kind of um, it just it does it does it's not really worth the discussion i think mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah i th i think that that's fair i think that that's fair talking staying on the quarterback topic uh -huh. Brock Purdy obviously had the surgery it's a it's a it's a big topic we found out the date february 22nd but we did hear from Brock Purdy on CanBR, I believe, giving uh, acknowledging that the really the the while the consensus is around doctors and with the organization that it is expected that he'll undergo the six month timeline, it could be worse. Are you at all worried about the surgery for Brock Purdy and that it could be uh, even worse given the uncertainty of the situation? Well, that that goes back to. Brock Purdy is just saying the same thing that John Lynch said on the 1st of February, right? Uh, 1st of February, the Funners final press conference for the year, John Lynch opened up the press conference, said the good part about this is that um, there, it looks like the timeline is going to be the six month timeline. Now that could change once they get in there because you never know. Everybody will tell you that once they get in there, they could find something different than what all the MRIs are saying and all that kind of stuff. So that could change what happens. So what Brock Purdy said uh, yesterday on KMBR uh, wasn't news. It was just reaffirming something that had been said a week prior. And so the, the worries here for him is that it is worse. And if it's worse, then they go in and they do the full, I guess it would be the full Tommy John surgery. And that would be a, an extended period of time. Yeah. I mean, I, I, like we said earlier, the hope is that it's not as bad, but, as we've heard from doctors and Purdy himself, they'll only know when they get into that surgeon, uh, into the room itself. And yeah, you're right. It's reaffirming what Lynch had said earlier uh, and maybe clarifies a little more as to why the 49ers and Purdy have waited this long for the surgery to occur. Um, the swelling obviously being a part of it because you do want the swelling to subside before the surgery happens. But it has been, do you think it's been longer than expected for the surgery to occur? Uh, not really. We're looking at what, uh, what's, what's this, this, this week was, uh, the seventh. So we're looking two weeks. That's two weeks. So we're looking about a month, four weeks post post injury. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's, I don't think so. I, you know, there's, they, from what I, what I've heard from listening to Brock Purdy talk yesterday, uh, it sounds like there was a number of, 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 uh, specialists that were involved 
throughout this process to get to the decision that's been finally made. It doesn't sound like it was just a couple. It sounds like there was multiple people involved with getting to yeah. this point. And uh, I think it was, again, it's, it's necessary to let everything kind of cool down, so to speak, in terms of like mm-hmm. you mentioned, you know, let that swelling go down, let the, the, uh, the tendons and muscles and all that kind of stuff start to regenerate on their own. And then you go in and you do the surgery. So I don't, I don't think it, I don't think it was uh, extended uh, any longer if if it was if that was a situation then why they wouldn't be waiting until the 22nd i think you know i think that's partly there's a reason why it was pushed out another two weeks from when we first heard about it yeah no i agree i agree going to the other one let's just in a hypothetical assume that trey lance is the quarterback for 2023 you and me we've had several discussions many in agreement on the way that trey lance was utilized in 2022 and that we didn't have necessarily a problem with it with the way Kyle Shanahan utilized him in his first season as a starter in the, in the, in the very minimal kind of uh, uh, appearance. Should the 49ers change their approach in 2023? No. No. Uh, you know, the, the discussion around the usage of Trey Lance has always been based on the number of runs that he's – he number of times he's running. And outside of the game against Arizona, he hasn't been asked to run the ball – in any game more than six times. When I say run the ball, I'm talking about a designed run. Uh, Against Chicago in week one, he had six quarterback runs. Um, Obviously, there were sneaks and scrambles and those types of things. But designed runs where he's the runner in the blocking scheme and all those kind of things, there were six of them. And six times over the course of a full game, um, I don't think we should expect it to be less than that. I think that's interesting. So you're saying that six would be the baseline? I, I I'm just saying you look at you look at based like on this year, right? Data. Okay. Yeah, you look at you look at what he's done. He had the game against Arizona his rookie year, and and that's the that's the outlier. That's the one that blows the numbers all around because that game he was used quite often. You you look at the the game against against Houston. I think there was four. I think it was six against, I don't have the numbers right in front of me. Now I had it earlier in the week. I think it was, I know it was six against Chicago and it was mm-hmm. under, it was three against Seattle in the first quarter. Correct. Who knows how that game would have played out. It was a, it was a very run heavy start to the game. And then they, we saw what happened the, the series when Jimmy Garoppolo came in. And according to what um, Kyle Shanahan said, that was just part of the the plan going in. So I don't think it should be any different. I think Trey Lance is a guy who they expect to be able to use as a running threat in their offense. It doesn't mean that you're you're running the ball like crazy with him. Again, six runs, I don't I don't think that um, thinking that they're going to use him less than six is, is really something we should expect. I don't think it plays to his benefit. I wouldn't mind six runs a game. I, I do think, though, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll differ a little bit from you. And the reason is because of the acquisition of Christian McCaffrey. I think that only furthers their rushing attack offensively. And also, when you talk about it, I think the rushing attack is more prolific than it was when Trey Lance was the starter. Given, remember, Elijah Mitchell went out in week one. We had Jeff Wilson Jr. really as the predominant back. Demo Samuel was sprinkled in uh, a little bit over the first two weeks. But it was mainly uh, Jeff Wilson, Debo Samuel, I guess, uh, for, for that time alongside Trey Lance. Now with the plethora of options that you have with Mitchell likely back with uh, CMC in the mix and Debo Samuel, with the variety of options that you can do, I think the 49ers may look to address that a little differently and potentially pass the ball a little more than you'd expect, especially seeing the success that they have with their passing game uh, in the this season with the weapons that they had because of what Christian McCaffrey added in the second half of the season. Now that comes with a caveat because Lance, I don't think is as prolific as a passer as many expect because of the rawness of him. At least we, we can't necessarily say with definitive, uh, with a definitive answer that Lance is a prolific passer at the moment. He's got to improve in several categories in that area, but he has the ability to make certain throws. And I think that the 49ers should not necessarily lower it, but I think that they should utilize the entirety of their, uh, of their weapons a little more. And that might mean less runs for uh, runs for Lance. However, I am, I, I think that that six run category, I think that that's on spot because Lance also will look to scramble. And that's the that's the additional aspect that Lance has. I mean, we even saw Brock Purdy scramble at times. And some of the plays where you extend the play, Lance, with his uh, capabilities, will look to take off. We saw it in training camp uh, in, in, uh, in the minimal uh, kind of sample size. But I think that that's where you might get to the six runs. I don't know, though, it'll be necessarily six designed runs with the 
talent that the 49ers have on the offensive end and the I think the a little bit of evolution that they saw with the offense in terms of the passing game this year yeah but you got it's also you know it's going to be there's going to be fluctuations in it it's not going to be six is on the high end right six that that's the high number uh, like I said outside of the you know and and when you watch when you go back and you re-watch that Chicago game and you see where those runs are coming from uh some of those designed runs we're talking about are actually quarterback zone reads Oh, no, quarterback, quarterback draws, you know, and, and those are in situations where, you know, if it's they're you know, they're not, they're trying to not put them in a bad situation or they're using it to pick up short yardage, those kind of things. That's, you know, a lot of his runs, uh, at least in week one, were to pick up first downs. Uh, so it, it's all game flow, you know, correct. dictated by That's that. Correct. When you talk about, you know, the possibility of the, the passing attempt numbers coming up, uh, I don't disagree that that could happen. I think if that's what's happening, I think it's primarily probably going to be um, kind of like a, you know using the screen game as an extension of the run game. Again, I mentioned this last week when we talked, and I'll, I'll say it again. I think it's it's similar to what the Eagles do with Jalen Hurts. That they, they use a big portion of their passing game is screens and and those types of things, those short throws that are kind of even when it doesn't necessarily a throw behind the line of scrimmage is really a screen because you can throw a slant and have it be a screen Correct. based off of what everybody else is on the field is doing. So I think that's what, that's where if, if Lance is throwing the ball more, right. Mm-hmm. Is an increase. Maybe that's where it comes from. I don't see him being a guy. I don't see him being a drop guy that you're going to want to drop back 30 plus times a game without, and then have your, you know what I'm saying? And have it be drop back passing. We're not, I'm not talking about screens, like 30 drop back passes a game, you know, but, um, I can see what, what you're saying possibly happen. I, I actually do agree there. Um, maybe I'll be more clear. I think that the screen pass definitely uh, obviously elevates those numbers because it is, mm-hmm. like you said, an extension of the run. And the reason that I believe that the screen pass could be more important is because of Christian McCaffrey once again, because the threat of running is a little more present when you have a guy like Christian McCaffrey uh, in the backfield to where you can utilize different uh, different sets, maybe notion out Christian McCaffrey and have Debo Samuel there. I think that there can be a lot more that, uh, that can be created uh, versus when Christian McCaffrey's off the field. But I do think that one part that I think remains a huge part is the zone read. That is what Kyle Shanahan really wanted uh, when you talk about 11 on 11 football. And Lance mm-hmm. does have to improve at times in the decision-making there, but I think that, that will be a key aspect because you have to respect Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel as runners. And you also have to respect Elijah Mitchell as a runner, given how well them, uh, them three worked uh, when obviously in the second half of the uh, in the year, when you also didn't have a rushing threat at quarterback. So to me, I think that that could also be an element that could improve it where those are also subjective because some could be handoffs when they should have been quarterback keepers and some could be quarterback keepers when they should be handoffs. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I think um, the zone read, it's going to be a part of it. That's the, the 49ers spent an entire practice this last offseason during training camp uh, doing nothing but zone read and play action off of zone read. So it, it's a, it's a, it's definitely a part of their playbook that they want to emphasize if they have the right people in place. Yes, I, I do agree. I do agree there. And I think that's a fun topic. And Jack, I, I want to shift away from the huge amount of quarterback talk to talk about the last part. And let's focus on the right now because the quarterback situation, that's the off season after free agency, after the draft, when OTAs hit, Let's talk about the uh, free agent decisions that the 49ers have to make. San Francisco's got the chance to clear up some cap space, and they also have some huge free agent decisions, Mike McGlinchey being one at right tackle, a position where he has played and filled the role fairly well, especially as of late, and they also have some other holes. Would you prefer the 49ers spend more on the offensive line this uh, this year, uh, this offseason, or the defensive line? Right. Well, that's, if you ask it that way, that's a tough one. I would really like to see Mike McGlinchey come back. I think he is your top priority in free agency when it comes to the guys that you're going to re-sign. Um, I, I think that he's he's much better than uh, the general consensus of his play, and so I think he should be – I think he is worth $15.5 million. I, don't, I know that the salary cap wouldn't average that over the – would average that, so you're going to have some low years in the beginning with some higher ones at the end, but I think he's worth it. Um, you know, maybe in in the center spot, that'll that's one that's going to be interesting to see there as well. What does Jake Brendel do? Does he come back to the 49ers or does he move on? Do the 49ers look to upgrade at that spot? Uh, Brendel, I thought, 
um, handled that offensive line really well. This was a group, again, this is an offensive line that improved in pass protection and run blocking this year over where they were the year before. And they did that with three new starters. So um, I think they're in a good space going forward. We'll have to see what Nick Sakal can bring to uh, to the table as well. He's a, a possibility there at center. Uh, you know, in terms of spurging, it, it all depends on how much money they decide that they want to create in cap space. Correct. Yeah. And I, I think that the points you make are very valid in terms of Mike McGlinchey being a priority. He was my second priority on my free agency list for the guys the 49ers should look to retain behind Emmanuel Mosley. I valued him a little more, but McGlinchey, if you talk about positional uh, value, I think certainly provides uh, a good amount. And obviously with the lack of necessarily a clear upgrade, unless you spend more money, I don't know where the 49ers are going to upgrade if they don't go with Mike McGlinchey this offseason. The three clear tackles that I think at right tackle could make an impact for the 49ers in free agency are McGlinchey, Kayla McGarry of the Atlanta Falcons, and Jawan Taylor of the Jacksonville Jaguars. But again, each of those players is going to make around a similar money, at least I think in the range of $15 million. And I think if the 49ers don't choose to bring McGlinchey Back. I don't think that they go after a key free agent. I, I don't think that they're going to go after any of the core three because bringing McGlinchey back is in value. I would be a support of a, a deal centered for Juwan Taylor, but like I said, I, I don't know if that's realistic if they don't bring Mike McGlinchey back, a guy who's had uh, you know several years in the system. To me, though, I will change it. I think that personally, I would splurge on the defensive line. And this might be going the opposite way, maybe scheme over uh, uh, talent. And obviously, it might not be uh, the way that many people think. But to me, I think there's significant value in providing someone uh, right alongside Nick Bosa and Ark Armstead. And we saw, you and I were in agreement last week, we saw that in 2019, that line where it was comprised of star-talented players, it was better than the 2022 line. Uh, in, in, because the 2022 line, when you talk about alongside Nick Bosa, there wasn't really that predominant second option. Charles Amenehue was very good in terms of pass rush win rate, but when you look at it, the second leading sack player uh, guy for the 49ers only had five sacks this year, four and a half sacks this year. It wasn't like there wasn't a drastic change, uh, and I think the 49ers would benefit significantly if they had a additional star pass rusher. And I think that that they should go after Deron Payne. That that'd probably be my number one guy. But there are several ca- uh, players in that category that could fit on the defensive line that could help out the 49ers uh, be, help out Ark Armstead on the interior, which would then further solidify the run defense, but also as pass rushers. Yeah. Uh, I think if you're going to Deron Payne in the middle is a, is a good one right there. That's a, uh, that's a name that I know. I think people were working, were looking at last year at some point. I remember it was during the season or before the trade deadline. It might've been. Yeah. trade um, deadline. So, you know, that's, that's a name. That's a, that's a big name guy to go after. And, uh, what are they going to do at defensive end? I think that's even a bigger, bigger thing to look at is who who's going to start out opposite of Nick Bosa right now. The only guy on the roster is Drake Jackson. So uh, does Jackson, is he going to be capable of making the Hufanga leap? Like we saw from, from Delano Hufanga, that's going to be a question. It's they're, they're totally different players in year one. Uh, Hufanga right. was a guy who, who was a, was a contributor throughout the season. Jackson started off decent and completely fell off the cliff. So they're different in that, aspect so uh it, it, it's going to be interesting to see you know the direction that they take there I, I think the defensive line is is one that uh you know if i'm if i'm spending more money i want to spend more money on the offensive side than the defensive side here just because i believe in chris kosrick that much i think that that's fair i definitely think that that's fair and i don't necessarily think there's a wrong answer either which is why mm-hmm. it'll be intriguing to see where the 49ers go who knows maybe they don't spend money on either side and interior <laughs> fans but i mean they've had a good free agency plan the last few seasons especially last year i thought their free agency plan was very solid look to upgrade corner and they got it in a team-friendly deal which are various ward look to upgrade special teams they did it with certain players and look to do uh, certain upgrades while keeping the core intact um and i think that that was a good plan so we'll see where the 49ers look to surprise us this year i do think though that there will be at least one splurge uh be it offense defense whatever whatever position it may be i do think there will be one splurge this offseason oh there will be there's the that's their mo right is to have one splurge mm-hmm. I, I i would expect to see a deal get done for for uh for nick bosa, nick bosa. But also, yeah i'd also expect to see them give somebody you know uh, at least one good size contract like what we saw from Trevor Ward. He was the big spender last year, right? Right. Um and and they're they're 15 million dollars to the good right now compared to where they were this time a year ago. So uh they they're going to be just fine. 
yeah, no, that's that's the that's the point. They're gonna be just fine, which is why we're gonna have a very fun offseason this year, Jack. But I appreciate you coming along this Friday uh, evening talking some 49ers. Uh, any last comments before we head on out today? Well, I'm gonna ask you real quick because you didn't ask me who's gonna win on Sunday. Oh, interesting. I've got the Eagles. Still got the Eagles. I said whoever's going to win the NFC Championship was going to win the Super Bowl. I'm going to stick with it. I've got the Eagles, although I think it's going to be a very fun game. Uh, I wonder how Kansas City looks to shut down uh, Philadelphia. I know uh, Spagnolo there is a very interesting coordinator, loves to blitz, but doesn't play much cover three. We'll see if that changes. I think it's an interesting matchup, though, for sure. I, I, I think it's an interesting one, too. I, I, uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing how this game plays out. The Kansas City offense against yeah. the Eagles – Defense is a matchup that I think, you know, obviously you have the the speed pass rush element that you get from Philadelphia, but I do, I just feel like Andrew Reed's going to be smart enough to not be crazy with the downfield passes early in the game. So mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, that passing game from, from Kansas city, if they do it right, should be able to uh, make some plays, move the sticks, take your time, get some points on the board, those types of things. And then I think their defense is a little underrated in Kansas city. They're not, they're, they're very good against the pass. They're not quite so good against the run, which is what the Eagles right. do the best. Um, so if that run defense, if big Chris Jones can step up and play well, um, and, and they can shut the run game down a little bit for Philadelphia, Robbie gold said it. If you can, if you can force, if you can force the quarterback from Philadelphia to have to beat you, you're, they're beatable. And yeah, uh, you know, uh, I've gone back and forth. I, I've, I feel like I would say Kansas City is going to win, and I feel like in saying that, people are going to say that's just because you cover the 49ers, but uh, I kind of tried to lay out why I think that's going to be the case. Either way, I think it's going to be a fabulous game. It's there's there's These are two very good teams. There's some very good storylines here in terms of forget about the coach, you know, having been in Philadelphia prior for, you know, Andy Reid. Just look at the way these two teams are constructed, and this is just a heck of a matchup. Yeah, I agree. And as a funny comment here from Big City, man, He's going the Christian McCaffrey route, saying, I hope nobody wins. Well, we'll see. But, chat, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Um, you guys obviously, all, as always, kill it. Jack, great job from you today as well. Really appreciate you guys. And we'll be back next Friday with another uh, fun episode for you guys. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. See you later.